Right, um, today we're doing number three of hoarding stuff, or hoarding stuff, depending on how you're listening to it. And I'm Heather Matwatso, the founder and director of Clouds End CIC, th th which is UK's first um, social enterprise to work with people with hoarding behaviour. And I'm going to pass over to my colleague to introduce himself. Oh, my name is David Woods, and, and apparently I'm a colleague now. Yeah, you've been, you've, you've Fascinating. been, I've been in the last last three three sessions. I've, I'm now a colleague. Uh, do I get stripes with that? Do I? You can get a badge, David. Badge, that's badge. great. Yeah. So today we're going to look at a saying um, that relates to quite a broad and very interesting topic, and. It's quite a modern topic as well, which is neuroplasticity. Uh -huh. Basically means that our brains are like bits of plasticine. That's how I think about it. Anyway. They kind of adapt. Yes. So you can reprogram them, basically. Right. Which, um, I think a lot of thinking up to the 1970s said what you've already put in to a child yeah. is there for life. And right. then that's a lot. Change it. Yeah. yeah. And then afterwards, um, it was discovered that that wasn't right. And also that after a period of time, um, if you haven't learned it, you, you can't learn it later because you're old. Yes, yes. And you're so, done for. Yes. That's your lot. You're addled and finished. <laughs> so, so the saying that I think sort of sums this up that I found today, for today, is at any point in our lives, we can change our brain. It just takes conscious attention. So mm. Let's unpick that a little bit. All right. Yeah. What do you? Um, think? Well, I, 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 there's a number of things there, isn't there? Um, what you consider to be a change in the brain, and how you have conscious attention about. So you've obviously got to know where you're starting from. And I don't think a lot of people do that. They just go along with um, what they have. And uh, a lot of people also stop learning um, consciously. They just stop. They just think, well, that's me. I've, I've learned everything. I think that does come back to the idea that you know, your mind is fixed after you're 50 or something like that. You can't learn any new stuff. You've, you've had I, your, I think sometimes that happens sooner than that, David. If you don't go, yeah. to, if you don't go into further education, mm. um, or you don't go into specifically trying to learn more after after you've been oh, yeah. to school. I think subconsciously, you probably think, right, I've been to school, done that, and, mm -hmm. and you shut yourself down to learning because you feel that you've learned your lot. Mm. But I don't think, I mean, people can't do that, not only just because of, of, of mental health, but also practically speaking. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there's a quote by Alvin Toffler from his book. Uh, oh, I can't even remember what it's called now. Isn't that dreadful? Uh, one of his books, which said that the poor people will not be people who are illiterate now. It'll be people who can't train, retrain, and train again. And I think I have said that. I think I said it last time. Oh, well, yeah. So it, it's obviously it, something it applies. And it does apply. And it is very true, and because I think one of the other things that we come back to and talk about quite often 
are these sort of hidden default positions that we've got that we've either developed through um, either deciding that we're not going to learn anymore, which are what, what I just described, or things that have happened to us that we've put into our brains and we just can't see them. You know, we don't know they're there, but when you come to try and do something, you can't do it because you've put something in your brain that stops you, but you don't know that you put it there. So it's, yeah, like, it's a blocker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why I think it's always good to question yourself and to look, you know, to look at the, the, the way you say things sometimes. And this was the, and I have used this example before on the podcast about me and my front door. Oh, yeah. And hearing myself saying, Joe, I, I'd love to have a red front door. I love red front doors. And then I thought, what am I talking about? I own my house. Mm -hmm. I own my front door and I can paint it red tomorrow. So you've mentioned it, but you never mentioned why it was such a big blocker. That'd be interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't a big blocker. It was how it was me learning that I right. obviously put something into my psyche at some point that said, I am not allowed to have a, to red, have a red door. door. But what was it that you put in place that said you weren't allowed? Did you ever find out what it was? No, no. Oh. I think it's. I think it's definitely got to be something to do with. I've seen red front doors on big, lovely houses like uh. big Victorian houses, and then I've I've sort of maybe said to myself, "Oh, those are not for you." It's and not for the likes of us. Absolutely, absolutely, and I know, I know that I've done this time and time again because you know I'm a child of the. Well, depends which 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 sort of a child of the seventies for education mm. wise, and I think that was a very transitional period that that was moving from working class, where you you were allowed, you know, you were you were you were definitely an upstart to middle class with possibilities. And I think um, I've got a foot in both of those camps, but the, but the red front door not being allowed comes from the working class camp. Right, right. I've never painted a front door. Just not, it's never really occurred to me. I just go in and out of it. So oh, it's a door. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It took me ages. I lived in a flat in Coventry, right? And uh, I got quite um, nostalgic for it because it was my first flat and all that. And I looked on the maps, uh, you know, you can do the street view and all that. And it's like yeah. looking at the front of the building, there was this nice kind of brickwork at the front, kind of just slightly unusual. And I never really noticed it all the time I lived there. No, it's it. Well, it's interesting. So, so that takes us to this conscious attention. Yeah. Conscious yeah. attention means you're right. You've got to know, well, you've got to know what you want. Yep. And you've got to know what you've got that you don't want. Mm. You know what I mean? Because if you're going to change what you, what if you want to change your brain, mm -hmm. then you have got to know what it is that it does now and what it is that you'd like it to do. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of having a sort of a map from where you are to where you want to be. Yeah. You know, um... Well, I don't even think you need a map. I think you need uh, to acknowledge both points. 
I just like maps. I think they're great. You, you can have a map. Though. Have a map. The trouble is, the map needs a path, and if you don't know the path, oh, that's true. You'll yeah, not... you, can, you can always have more than one path as well. You know, uh, uh, Jane goes on about stepping stones, which I've always found irritating because she's one of those people that if she did have a map, she would have like a multitude of different ways of getting there. You know, and and some of them would be longer than others, and she'd be happy with that. She'd be happy to just go along this rambling trail. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's, it's going to take ages, isn't it? It's just going to take ages. Well, oh. again, that's knowing your, your reasoning for travelling that route. So if you're travelling that route to get to somewhere as soon as possible... Yeah, yeah. That you... no, what I do is I go, it's just going to take ages, and I fold the map up and I go back to bed. It's much easier. It's much easier to do that. <laughs> what is this, you know? And the stepping stones, just, I don't know. What if I fall in the water or something? I don't know. What if you did fall in the water? Well, you did start to cling onto a stepping stone and get back up all soggy. And But, um, yeah, it's one of those things that I've, I've started to understand more as I've got older. But uh, with our society, we expect everything to be instant. And, and I, think that's, I think that's... That. That's why a lot of things don't don't appear to work. If they don't work yeah. instantly, they get rejected. And then if you've done five of those things in quick succession, had five purported failures, you yeah. then believe that you are not able to change. And, and that becomes, uh, you know, that just sinks it in even further. We tend so to forget that, that... Plasticity, but burying your original default even further down. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's part of, of neuroplasticity, isn't it? That you kind of like bounce back from from purported failures and uh, and move on and do more stuff. The the idea that you can have success every single time is a is a myth. It's a nonsense. Well, you don't want success every single time because you're not learning anything. No. You've got but, to have things not work for you to work out how to do it better. But the common culture is, if it's a failure, you should hang your head in shame. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you know, if there is a failure and it, it's a, impacted a huge amount of people, their lives and stuff, then perhaps you should have a word with yourself, right, and go over that. And maybe we shouldn't do that again mm. or anything like it, uh, although that doesn't tend to happen does happen again and again with uh, some organizations but if you're doing something that is is exploratory and experimental you have to accept that that it's not necessarily gonna gonna work every single time and, that, and i think that's healthy i mean one of the things that i really wish that i had known about when my children were younger i i, I read or somebody said on the radio, I can't remember, that their father, every time they had dinner, sat around the table, he would say, right, what have you what have you failed in today? What hasn't worked today? And they would all discuss it perfectly normally, like it was talking about, you know, what they'd seen that was blue. Mm. And um, they it became the, the forum where they just looked forward to discussing the things that hadn't worked, because then they found solutions to it. So he sort of embedded in his family that there's no, there is no such thing as failure, just learning. 
Well, that's that's reflective practice where you 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 do the thing, you reflect on it, and you improve it. Um, and even the good bits can be strengthened, uh, as well as just going. Oh, well, I, I managed to. I went. <laughs> I wanted a red front door, but uh, I managed to go to the shop and I got some green paint. Uh, so strangely enough, I haven't got a red door. I'll go to the shop again and get some red paint this time. <laughs> but oh. now I can't go to the shop and get red paint because I've already wasted some money on green. Use it on your back door then. Use it on your back door. Actually, my back door's plastic though, so I can't paint. Oh. oh. See, that's the other problem with red front doors. You have to buy them pre-red now. If you're having a UPVC door, which mine isn't, mine's, mine's still wood. That's why I can... Oh, that's okay. That's all right. It, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to think of a new colour soon because I'm going to have to have some new windows because my windows are just really old. Oh. There's another. I'm going to find a new colour front door that I've always wanted and I've always wanted red. So I've ticked well, that. You, maybe you can have a different shade of red. Oh, that's true. That's true. Or bright pink, mind you. Know, oh, God. Ooh. I don't think my road would thank me. <laughs> Barbie coloured front door. Yes. No. No. I've already got cladding on my house, which I didn't put on. Right. But that disturbed the look of the of the clothes that I live in. Property values are going down. They have, well, it wasn't my fault. It was the family before me. So, but I have been here a long time, and I've left it on. So Certainly, if you put a Danny Larue door in, it'll 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 go down. I could. I'm so tempted. I, I have been tempted to paint the cladding a bright and uh, sparkly colour or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not quite. I'm not quite ready for. It. I do quite like my neighbours, so I, I should. Uh, yeah. So neuroplasticity. How yeah, do you feel was, that it, it it relates? Well, the the, the way that I, it certainly relates to the topic that we talk about because the reason why we bring it up in support groups so often is many people believe that their behaviour that they have mm. that has filled their house is them. So they identify with that behaviour they and, and feel that that is who they are as a person. Mm. And that is difficult when it that isn't who they want to be. So the idea that you can change the way you think by perseverance, which is what conscious attention is, um, and clarity mm -hmm. is is a very welcoming thought, but as you said, it's not something that happens overnight, and it and it requires practice, and then you have to notice when your practice has slipped away again mm. and you've fallen back into. So you do have to be vigilant about your practice as well, which right. makes it sound very, um, very dull and. It and sounds it, a bit bureaucratic, and, doesn't it? Really. It does, but it isn't, because the, the, I think the best example of it that I read, that I really liked, mm -hmm. was, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a great book by somebody called Norman Doidge, who is a neuroscientist, but he collected a lot of stories around all the different ways that neuroplasticity was, was used. Mm. I think it's called The Brain That Heals Itself. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can't remember exactly, but that's the sort of, uh, and it's just full of examples. And the example that was the simplest to remember and therefore to do 
was a um, small study where they took 20 people who, uh, no, sorry, 40 people, I think it was, who couldn't play the piano, never played a, a musical instrument, never played the piano. All right, okay, yeah. Uh, they took 20 of them and got them to practice just doing one, like, you know, chopsticks every day. Mm -hmm. And then they took the other 20 and got them to think that they were practicing. So they 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 knew what to do with the keyboards, but they okay. imagined themselves doing it, doing it rather than actually doing it. Right. And um, but before they started the study, they brain scanned them, mm. and then they brain scanned them two months later. So they got them to do it every day for two months. Okay. And then they checked the brain scans. And the difference between the ones who actually practiced and the mm. ones who mentally practiced was almost imperceptible. But the mm. area the, where the activity of learning music happens mm -hmm. had grown. So they could yeah, see yeah, you, that, you that like the muscle that was there. Kind, had of, kind of groans. Yeah, groans. Yeah. And so that was surprised. what... So that's why, you know, visualisation, imagining things, but doing it regularly will work as long as it's got to be credible as well. You know, I think if you're imagining that you're going to be eight foot tall, um, maybe that is going to happen. But when you can imagine something that is actual, mm. then um, but I just thought that was fantastic. Mm. Really, and then, then uh, years after that, I think they had it. I think it was on Radio Four. Somebody was talking about they couldn't afford a piano, so they bought uh, or they made a paper keyboard. Yeah, yeah. So they just yeah. drew all the keys on a piano, and then they just taught themselves to play, like just doing the. Yeah, it would be fascinating to know uh, if when they did that with the uh, the paper keyboard and the imagined thing if if you put them in front of a, a piano if they could if they could play it uh just from the imaginary thing rather than having practice possibly i just it's those i mean that's a you know that's a a, a skill as well mm. as a, a a feeling if you like but mm. i think if you are if you you've got to understand what, like i said what you want to get rid of mm -hmm or override actually you don't get rid of it because your brain will retain it and you'll still be able to remember it mm. but you want to override it with a new you know a new um so it's habits isn't it yeah it's creating new habits yeah creating, and i can't remember how long it takes to do that is it 30 days it's six weeks is something i've heard yeah it's quite so, a short period of time it's not in 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 the, in the span of a lifetime hopefully it's not a long time is it no, not really. Well, so I, think, I think it's. I think it's. No. It's exciting that that you that your brain has got that capacity to do this, but you have to be regular with the way you do it. And and what unfortunately what happens with our default. So let's say we we have a propensity to default to worry. Mm. That's how we're made as, as human beings. Um, and that's what keeps us alive. There is a reason for it, but of course mm -hmm. it grows on itself. So fear grows on fear. But if you worry a lot, 
it becomes a state of being. So you you go, I'm a right, I'm a real worry wart. I am. I always worry about things. So you're reinforcing your need to worry, but also you are habitually worrying. And you might find if you stop and look and listen to yourself, that when one worry clears up, you will look for oh, you you yeah, you'll probably even manufacture a new worry. Exactly. And, but if you don't want to worry, uh-huh. you've got to overlay that worrying that, that you know that desire to worry with a new way of thinking so instead of saying i don't want to worry you've mm. got to say i want to be very calm yeah i mean that that's kind of like it's that thing about not going with the negative yeah you're putting something positive in place instead of i don't want to yes exactly because I don't want to still acknowledge is what you do. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Whereas I want to is, yeah. 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 Different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yes, it is. uh, It is, but, but very doable. And I think, I think that that's, that's one of the other things that happens in group is we help people create their own structures around developing a sentence or a practice that goes with a sentence. Mm that changes things and and when you change one thing it changes a lot of things yeah you know it changes many things in your in your world it's like a pebble you know in a in a a pond the ripples are quite far-reaching so it is worth just changing one thing i think it's a kind of like um thing you get with uh, narrative therapy i've probably mentioned that before as well I've no idea what I say well, on any. I was things. just going to say, describe narrative therapy for anybody that doesn't know what it well, is. Narrative therapy just seems to be creating your own, just basically your own story and your own approach to what your life has been like and and defining it and just um, you can have your story that's a very bleak and depressing thing, or you can look at some of the the strengths that you've had in your lifetime and sort of flip it on its head say you know something that was dreadful what you've actually gained from that dreadful thing how you've been strengthened by that dreadful thing you know right survive certain things um or that you've worked your way through certain things more than you, you might actually think that you have so it's sort of writing writing your own script it's writing it? your own your own story so you're writing yeah. it about what's happened to you yeah. and giving yeah. it um, a different frame mm. a different frame of reference mm-hmm. i mean i could say because plasticity wise y- you can use writing your own script forwards yeah you yeah can write your own sitcom with you in the center of it and write all the lines and the dialogue that you want it's very true um rather than waiting for somebody to write your script for you. <laughs> yeah, I could say that I've, I've been on the, the same scrap heap for 20 years since I had my breakdown, you know? Uh, but at the same time, I could say that I've experienced things that if I hadn't had a breakdown, I wouldn't have experienced and I wouldn't be asking the questions that I ask about life because I wouldn't have gone through some of those 
challenges and problems. And then I wouldn't have had any understanding about those challenges and problems so that when I met other people that had those challenges and problems, I wouldn't have the same level of understanding of, of where they are uh, and wouldn't um, have the same empathy. Well, yes, because you haven't, without that insight, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily an insight that you would invite or donate to anybody, but no, when really. it happens to yeah, you, yeah. then it's something that you can share and use to you know, to support other people because they know that you know that, you know, you've both experienced a very similar thing. It can so. be quite it can be quite tricky if people who are making decisions about things haven't experienced that thing and then they just make these overriding decisions and you kind of come up with this very strange policies that are like, oh, right, okay. You know, people... Earlier on, when we were saying about going into a house and just emptying it of everything, and it's like you've you've not really thought that through, have you? <laughs> you've kind of like because you've not been in that position, you've just seen it as the ultimate kind of well, it's a nuclear option, really. And well, you've seen the practicalities of yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and not the psychological is, thing there. Uh, yes, yes. And so we're sort of back to those hidden things that I think everybody's got certain things that are perhaps an illogical response to something in that the person that they might be with just thinks that's like, why on earth would you be frightened of spiders? They're really nice. Mm. But if you're frightened of spiders to the point where you can't speak, you know, you've you've got to acknowledge it and try to understand it, I think, Mm. to be able to to help somebody rather than keep going, but it's just a spider, it's all right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't help, does it? You know that as well. Not really, no. And it's it's kind of ingrained in a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Probably from the days, you know, kind of uh, race memory when we were in caves and the, there were a lot of spiders around. We were bigger. Yes, as, as, as one of the guys that I work with who is frightened of spiders and he has a lot in his house, mm. um, he said, they all bite. And I said, I'm sure they don't all bite. And he said, yes, they do. Yes, they do. They bite. Wow. And I said, well, maybe if they do bite, you can't feel it. He says, no, some of them you can. So I've looked up a couple of them. I think he's right for a couple of them. But yeah, but I'm lucky. I kind of quite like spiders. I think they're quite nice. Well, I have to take them out in a, like a glass yes, tumbler yes. and a card, and I take them out. And I think I've desensitized myself a bit now and... Sometimes I don't even need the card anymore. I just get him in the glass and it's like, come on out, you go. Right, into the hedge with you. Bye now. I swear they just come straight back in again. They probably do. And then I just get the glass again. You know, I I had some mice in my house and um, and I I trapped them in a humane trap. And then Mm -hmm. the first time it happened, I just let them go in the garden and somebody went, well, don't be so daft. They'll just come straight back in. Yeah, you have to say so, well, wow. Then I took them about a mile away to the canal and uh, and dropped them at the canal. And by the time I'd finished, I took about 12. I thought there were like just two. You know, in your mind's eye, you think, oh, there's just a family of two. Um, no, there's no, more than that. There were about 12 of them mm. by the time I'd finished. But then they didn't come back. So that was good. I think it's something to do with the weather because we've got them at the moment. Yes, I think they do say when it gets cold, they start looking for more. 
quite right too, um, I suppose. Yeah, why not? But, uh, it's, but it's a problem of like, you know, A, they're, they're perpetually incontinent, so they'll wean all over the place. <laughs> they're not incontinent, they just they do are. what they do. They just do it where they want to do it. Yeah, whee! And also they, they might chew your wires. Yeah, that's a slightly dangerous potential. So, also, yeah. the comforting thought, if you don't like mice, is that they'll probably kill themselves if they chew through your wires. Not necessarily. If they if they just kind of do a little bit of gnawing. I have seen it. I have seen a desiccated rat attached to an electrical cable by its teeth. Mm. Honestly, honestly, mm. so that does happen. So. Uh, anyway, seeing as we've yeah, got that's lovely. Such such a high point, I think we can say, yeah. Yeah. We can yeah. say bye now. So I think conscious attention. Um, mm. So, I, yeah, I think neuroplasticity, if you really want to change something, mm. then, as we've said, you've got to be clear about what it is you want to change and you've got to be clear about how you want to feel about how you think about the thing you want to change. Because and how are you going to feel after it as well, I suppose? Yeah, that, yes. That... How will you know that you've got to where you'd like to go as a changed person or with a changed habit? Um, and remember, everything takes time to bed in. Mm. So to feel as though, to feel second nature. Um, but you don't have to, don't give up is the, is the answer. If you, mm. if you want to do this, just keep doing it. And if you find yourself wandering back into default thinking don't give up because of that just start again just keep thinking your new thought i think people are gonna yeah they're gonna have to do that anyway um over periods of time because as things shift around and change and you're gonna have to kind of find new <laughs> meanings and yeah but but we do that don't we we do we learn new stuff when we don't question it, it's easy to do because you just yeah. add another ha a habit in you. Like I've added in a habit of walking my dog every morning now, mm -hmm. which I didn't do two years ago. But now I don't really think about it. In fact, I actually look forward to it. But two years ago, I would have been completely convinced I didn't have time to do it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. now, because I like it and because it's part of my life, I find time to do it. I get it a bit so, early. Mentioning time. Yes. One of the things we should have as a habit is to make sure we're not running over time. Absolutely. And we need a timer. I think we need to get the old timer on us, ticking away in the background. So it's true. Yeah. Yeah. We don't wander too much. Right. So I'm going to say bye-bye then, David. Yeah. Okay. And, um, we'll be back next time with some other profound what statement. Do next time, then? Have you got any idea what we're doing next time? No, I just thought I'd pull something out of the book and we'll have a look. I think maybe, right. maybe next time we might look at something totally different, like Christmas. Ew. Because we're nearly there, sorry to say, but we are. Are we? Oh, yes, so we are. It's about a month yeah. away, isn't it? Maybe we could look at, by the time we meet again in a couple of weeks' time, we'll look at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and what Christmas means if you have got a lot of stuff already. It's very true. Uh, I've ordered presents for Jane already. And uh, so I think they're turning up today, actually. Um, 
I just had to kind of go, ooh, look, it's going to be quite hard this year uh, for various reasons. Um, and I wonder if, when we do look at it, we could look at what people can do, even if they're not hoarding for Christmas, yeah. because I think people are going to be even worse than they are normally. You know what people are like normally? They'll just go, oh, it's Christmas, so we'll rack well, up a lot of debt. Yeah, it could go both ways. So anyway, let's save that for yeah, next Yeah, right, okay. Right, take care, take and care. I'll, I'm going to stop recording now. Yeah.